Coming up on Tuesday Night Live, Natan Sharansky, head of the Jewish agency and former Russian refusenik, will tell his story of making Aliyah after being in prison nine years in Siberia. Soviet Jews, we are growing without knowing anything about our history, about our religion, about our roots. The only thing which we knew that there is discrimination of Jews. Also in the lineup, Rabbi Pearl Wine, one of the most well-known Jewish historians and rabbinical leaders, plus Jewish music artist, the world-renowned Chaim David. Tuesday Night Live is hosted by Ari Abramovitz and Jeremy Gimpel. That's Tuesday, March 9th at Heichal Shlomo in Jerusalem. To reserve seats, visit thelandofisrael.com. That's www.thelandofisrael.com. Shalom and welcome to all of you lovers of Hashem, His Torah, Israel, and the nations. You're listening to Noahide Nations, and we're certainly glad that you folks could take the time to sit in with us for an hour, because we do think we've got a pretty interesting show today, but let me go ahead and bring in my co-host, Prescott Johnson. Prescott, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, Ray, and hello everybody out there in... uh well, I guess I was going to say radio land, but I guess it's podcast land where uh, a good number of the folks listen to the show. Yeah, it's pretty good that they uh, do archive these shows so that people can listen to them when they're not able to listen to them live. So that's kind right. of a, a pretty neat deal that uh, Israel National Radio does. And, and we're never live because we pre-record our shows. <laughs> right, but they I'm talking about the night they actually first play the new oh, show. Oh, yeah, no, 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 yeah, yeah. I so, did know that. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> so once they once they get that show passed, then they go ahead and get it up on the servers, and people can download it later. And I know a lot of them uh, have it automatically download to their yep. uh, iPods. And so it's good. Yeah. We get uh, a lot of emails as a result of people being able to download those shows during the week. So yep. uh, that's kind of a good thing. Well, that's but, how uh, I listen to the show, so... Yeah. Actually, that's how I I listen to it also, so I can uh, so I can grade myself. You know, <laughs> that's coincidence because I grade you too. <laughs> now, are you using a red pen with red ink? Uh, it's a burgundy. You... It's a it's a burgundy pen. Okay, now you know what the liberals say. <laughs> Don't be grading my paper in red ink. It could hurt my feelings. So. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, that's that's for another day. We already did that show, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, you can't pass up an opportunity to make this political. So, <laughs> well, sometimes they just make my head hurt, and it's just so easy to you know talk about them. Well, I, I know so. last week when you were mentioning about how uh, after watching the Olympics, uh, you thought that Canadians were so nice. And I was really tempted in the show to say, well, that's because we have universal health care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, especially actually, for the insane asylums, right? Uh, yeah, well, actually, no, because one of the actually one of the um, how, how do I best say this? Years ago, and uh, I'm pulling this out of a, 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 a not so frequently used memory bank in my mind. But uh, years ago, what happened is that the rights of people that were actually put in asylums. Uh, it, it was challenged as to whether whether we had any right to put insane people away. And um, so this actually is in part uh, part of the contribution towards 
uh, homelessness and some of the problems in the inner city and the streets where there are a lot of people with mental diseases that uh, need help but can't mm-hmm. get help or were, were basically uh, put out on the street because if they wanted to not be in, in an institution, they had the right to go out and, uh, and, and live you know, in, in uh, poverty in the alleys. And, and it, it really is, um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a complex issue. It's not easy. I mean, I, I don't know that there's a simple right or wrong answer when it comes to those kinds of things. But it is, uh, it is something that uh, uh, is, is a problem that was created uh, in part because we decided that, you know, certain people who could not look after themselves could nonetheless decide about, you know, what they were going to, um, you know, how they were going to live. And as I say, I'm, I'm not here passing judgment on, on, uh, you know, whether, whether we should take away their right, uh, to go out and live in the street if that's what they want to do. But unfortunately, many of them can't look after themselves out there and, and often, uh, you know, they, they, they're, they end up being forgotten, which um, unfortunately in the, in the, insil- in the uh, institutions, they often are too. So Yeah. Well, it's a, a mitzvot in, in any event, so that's always uh, good to help people who really aren't in a position to help themselves. Would but, that be mitzvot uh, or mitzvah? Uh, that'd be a mitz. I, I guess it'd be a mitz vote. Oh, okay. More than one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, well, I, I think so. The, okay, just because of the very nature of it. But anyway, let's move on because, uh, of course, this show today is not about liberalism. It's not about healthcare. It's not about any of that stuff. But it is, oddly enough, regarding a subject that can tend to be very controversial, depending on uh, just who it is you're talking to. And Prescott and I kind of decided we're going to go ahead and name this show To Convert or Not to Convert. And that it's, is uh, a question. That's the big question. <laughs> and as a Noahide, I get a, a, a you know a lot of questions surrounding this subject, as well as, hey Ray, you, you know you know a lot about this Torah stuff. I, you know why don't you just convert? You yeah. know, so it's a it's a full gamut, a full range of uh, questions that that I get, and you know I'm sure a lot of Noahides have experienced the same thing. So we thought it would be an an interesting topic to see. You know, whether you should convert, whether you shouldn't convert, is there a right answer, a wrong answer? Prescott and I aren't here to tell you what to do. Uh, we're just going to try and throw out the options, and, and you decide. <laughs> well, well, actually, uh, the first conversation that you and I had, I was trying to place an order at the store, and we ended up in a phone conversation. And that was one of the questions was, uh, you know, because when you were trying to get some sense of my own background, it was kind of like that. That had been uh, a big part of my um, my transition out of Christianity. I had to confront that question and, in fact, had uh, decided to convert. And then as time went on, it, it became increasingly difficult for me to do so under, you know, for a number of circum or for a number of reasons. And then in the course of having the conversation with you, one of the things that I thought that, uh, uh, you, you said so well to me was that often what we forget is the role that the Noahide plays in redemption, the role that the Noahide plays in terms of, uh, its relationship with, with Israel 
and um, and that there is the, a place for uh, the non-Jew in in the world of Torah. It, it's not a message that really is talked about enough, in in my opinion, and uh, so and it, and it kind of. And and more recently, in the last few months, somebody, a friend of mine, had asked me, you know, why I had not pursued conversion, and uh, and what made me uh, settle for being a Noahide, and uh, so kind of tweaked my brain that uh, we probably should do a show on this some sometime, and and uh, so here we are. And lo and behold, here we are. <laughs> and and I think it's an interesting topic just because of its very nature. Um, yeah. It's the kind of thing that if you were in Christianity, if you were in Islam, if, I mean, it doesn't matter what religion it is, oftentimes people are not aware of the uh, Noahide in, in their relationship with Torah and Hashem and Israel and the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And because of that lack of knowledge, they for some reason, tend to want to convert right mm-hmm. away. I mean, it's like the next step, going from Christianity to convert to Judaism. Well, yeah. And and it's really, off, more often than not, it's because they lack the, the knowledge or know where to go to find the knowledge about righteous Gentiles. How do you be a righteous Gentile? Because oftentimes people are wondering that, you know, well, if, if the Jews and, and the Torah is the only way to be righteous, you know, why would God make people who can't be righteous. So that means mm-hmm. I need to convert. So it's, you know, and there's there's many things that people say to themselves, and that's, we're going to be touching on that too. And in mm-hmm. fact, and I don't know how accurate this statistic is, I got it off of a Jewish website, which uh, actually does conversions online, which we'll get into in a bit here. But uh, they claim that uh, there's approximately 200,000 people just here in the United States who've actually chosen to accept the Jewish faith and have indeed converted. And it'd be interesting to, you know, be able to do a survey of those 200,000 people to find out what the reasons were, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. what the previous religion was, what caused them to want to convert to Judaism. Just, you know, are you aware of the the Noahide laws? You know, just be able to do a survey on those those folks and and see if you could come up with some some, uh, tangible information, some some intelligent information to be able to make decisions on. Right. But, But it is, without a doubt, very, very important to know and accept that we as Gentiles do not need to convert to Judaism to have salvation. And right. Let me let me just say that again. We as Gentiles do not need to convert to Judaism to have salvation. And many of you out there might be saying, well, how do you know that? <laughs> well, I don't know that. Now, I know that because in Rambam's uh, Mishnah Torah, he really gives us a, a, a good, solid understanding of you know what this is all about. But in Hilkot Malachim, or Hilkot Malachim, in uh, chapter 8, verse 11, he says that anyone who accepts upon himself the fulfillment of the Sheva Mitzvot, the seven Ohad laws, and is precise in their observance, is considered one of the pious among the Gentiles and will merit a share in the world to come. In other words, salvation. Right. So we as Gentiles that observe precisely the seven Noahide laws uh, do receive our salvation from, from Hashem. 
and obviously it's not quite like the salvation you may have heard uh, in other religions, but this is what is available to us based upon Torah and based upon Rambam's Mishnah Torah. Yeah, and and I guess that's um, uh, that was one thing that I found uh, interesting and hadn't really thought about it, but but because you know it's one of those things that when you when you when you listen to what the rabbis say, and you're saying to yourself, well, where in the world did they come up with that? Because I read my Bible, I read the Torah, and <laughs> how did they come up with that? Now, and the funny thing is, is that once you Listen to them and say, "Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to cast my own doubts aside, and I'm going to believe what I just heard." And then, when you go back and you're reading the Torah, all of a sudden, the things that you had read many times before and thought you understood, all of a sudden, things open up, and you realize, "Oh my goodness, this here's where <laughs> where they get it from. They really did get it from the Torah, but they they're so intimate with the knowledge of the Torah that it seems like they're making this jump of uh, going making these fantastic statements, and it seems to be like so off the page rather than from the page. And then when you come back to the page, you realize it's there, and and it's amazing because the the language of the covenant that Hashem made with Noah when he came off the ark. It uses the same language that every Christian is familiar with, and the reason why we're talking about this is because many many people who come into uh, Shavah Mitzvot come from Christianity, that most of us grew up learning about the covenant that was made with Abraham, that uh, this sign would be given to him, the sign of circumcision, and that it was an everlasting covenant and so on. Right. And, this, and the same language is the same language that is used in the covenant that God made with Noah and to all of his descendants from where we get the Shavamit's vote. And so it's an everlasting covenant, and you don't need to even convert to Noahism because everybody already is a Noahide. Well, technically, in, in, yes. Technically, technically. Yeah, technically well, every everyone is a Noahide, even the Jewish people, but we don't call them Noahides. We call them Jews because they have, they're dealing with the, the entirety of the Torah, the 613. Right. Uh, right. So they're not considered uh, Noahides, even though all of mankind is sons of Noah, you know, B'nai Noah. So that well, is something that... Uh, we all we all need to understand, and we certainly need to understand as well that Noah did indeed receive for mankind a covenant uh, mm. for the Gentiles. And at the time, there were no Jews. All there were right. was Noah and his family and Gentiles right up until Mount Sinai. Yep. That is when the Jew first came to be, was at the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. Right. So we need to to understand that that we have just as strong a covenant as the Jewish people do. We are part of the Torah. Uh, mm-hmm. We see it all you know throughout Genesis. So we read about Noah. Even Abraham and Sarah were actually Noahides. Now, mm-hmm. indeed, uh, they do consider them the founder of the Jewish people, and uh, oftentimes that refers back to the uh, commandment of circumcision. Which is understandable. That was a commandment that was not received by Noah, and yet mm-hmm. it was received by Avraham, who was a Noahide. Right. 
but they indeed are the the founders, if you will, of of Judaism. And I mean, that's where I mean that's how we got to where we are today. Is, is yeah. uh, a result of of them, uh, not just them, but yeah. a continuation. Uh, yeah. A lot of folks don't know that Abraham was actually alive. He was fifty years old when uh, Noah actually passed on. Mm, yeah. It's yeah. A, yeah. an interesting fact that a lot of folks aren't aware of. You don't really can think about it. Well, you know, and it's it, it was one of those things that because um, uh, I, I, as I say, I know that we have Christians listening to the show, and uh, there are many people that are curious about uh, about what we believe. And in the in the Christian Bible, they they talk about this guy named Melchizedek that we are introduced to in uh, in Genesis. The way it's spoken about, the way Melchizedek is spoken about in uh, in the New Testament, is a a type of the person whom they who they believe is the Messiah and Savior of the world, and so on. But we know from the Jewish tradition that Melchizedek was in fact the son of Noah, Shem, who like Noah lived for hundreds and hundreds of years, well into the life of the patriarchs. And uh, and so he was very familiar with this covenant that uh, that Hashem made with Noah, his father. Uh, it, it may be, and it may be interesting as to why in the New Testament it talked about how you know talked about how he was uh, that he uh, he didn't have ancestry, he didn't have mother and father. Well, I suppose some people might have thought that because he was so old. I mean. <laughs> Because <laughs> this would have been like 400 years after, I believe, the uh, the time of the flood. But clearly, he did have a father and he did have a mother. And uh, <laughs> and so so anyway, his father's was Noah. So anyway, okay. Well, <laughs> and and we know that, like you say, from the Jewish tradition, the oral law, uh, the, the Talmud tells us that uh, Shem was Melchizedek, and mm-hmm. Shem was a very important. Uh, at the time, because uh, many believe that Avraham not just learned didn't just learn from Noah, but also learned from Shem, right? And even the Talmud uh, cites that uh, Jacob actually spent a number of years. Was it seven years? Seven years that he spent with uh, uh, Shem and Eber at the uh, Academy of Shem and Eber. Uh, yeah, I think I think that sounds at least that's what I remember. I, I, I believe it yeah. was I believe it was uh, seven years. I, I have to double check on that, but I believe he was gone for uh, an entire fourteen years, and seven of those he was actually at the Academy of Shem studying. And right. guess what he was studying, folks? It would have been the Noahide laws because that's all there was. I mean, certainly there were other religions, but not to Shem. Uh, there, there, it was, there was only one. There was only one creator, and, and that was Hashem. Mm-hmm. And uh, he taught, and Jacob was one of uh, their students. Which, right. uh, again, that's another one of those you know, little-known things, that uh, Jacob in particular, because he's the one that had the, gave birth to the 12 tribes. Yeah. So uh, he learned from Shem. So we do come from a tremendous heritage. And uh, this is certainly something that a lot of people who are pondering conversion don't really know. And mm-hmm. as a result of this lack of knowledge, they can't possibly understand it. And it's, it's one of the dilemmas that we're faced with because oftentimes we hear from uh, Jewish people, sadly, that you know, somehow Noah was this bad guy. 
You know, mm. he got off the ark, and uh, oh boy, he got drunk, and uh, oh boy, he was just a bad guy. Well, you know what? I would argue that mm. Noah indeed was not a perfect man, but uh, he was very close to Hashem, preserved mankind. Uh, in fact, yeah. if it weren't for Noah and his righteousness, uh, mankind wouldn't exist. There'd be no Jewish people. There'd have been no Torah given. So thankfully, there was at least one, and that was Noah. So we do mm. have a, a, a tremendous heritage that we we come from. And in fact, uh, there's now a book that was written by Wayne Simpson that uh, is about Noah, founder of civilizations. And it's a great book. And when you read mm-hmm. this book and understand just what it was that Noah and his family went through, you begin to have a true appreciation for these folks and begin to have even more of an appreciation of who you are, where you came from, what we as Gentiles have uh, potentially, and that we are indeed capable of being righteous in the eyes of Hashem. That's right. Yeah, and, and I mean Noah is one of the. Uh, he is very clearly called righteous in his generation, and uh, that's no small. Uh, that's no small thing for uh, for Hashem to uh, to call you righteous. So uh, no, and then also to say that you know he walked with uh, uh, God, yeah. and I mean this is powerful stuff. So yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know back to the whole you know to convert or not to convert. I want to make folks aware because I'm sure there's some listening to this show uh, right now that are pondering that question of of converting, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's not that we're trying to persuade you not to convert or to convert. We just want to make you aware. And, and give you some knowledge that as Gentiles, we do indeed have a, a mighty heritage that, that we come to, uh, or I should say come from. And, and I think that's worthy uh, of note. And in fact, uh, the Rambam uh, also in his uh, Mishnah Torah in Hilkot Malachim 1010, uh, basically is telling us that we as Gentiles can actually do all of the uh, commandments, all the misfots that are in Torah. And he, he d- does this by saying we should not prevent a Gentile who desires to perform one of the Torah's mitzvot in order to receive reward from doing so, provided mm-hmm. he performs it as required. So in other words, don't decide to do something and do it your own way. Uh, you would be uh, basically required to do it properly. And and I think uh, you know that's uh, an an important thing uh, mm-hmm. to always remember. And the only way you can really do that is through the study of Torah, the study of the commentaries, uh, the study uh, of, of of Talmud, and with certainty be asking a a rabbi and you know gain some wisdom uh, from those who are in the know. Yeah. And I can see that uh, we are already <laughs> bumping up against the bottom of the hour, Prescott. I can't believe how quickly uh, that went by. So we're going to have to go ahead and take a break here, folks. And uh, we hope that you'll stick with us uh, till the other side because we're just going to keep on carrying on with the uh, to convert or not to convert. And please hmm. do remember, if you have any questions, comments, or what have you, please send them to us at noahide at israelnationalradio.com. So stick around, folks. We'll be right back. This is Tamar Yona of Israel National Radio. 
Thank you to all of our loyal listeners for your generous support during our Shevathon fundraiser. Our 12-hour live televised program brought together all of our show hosts and our listeners and was as fun for us as it was for you. You can continue throughout the year to show your support by clicking on the Support Us banner on the top of IsraelNationalRadio.com. Thank you again from Arut Sheva, Israel National Radio. Every Tuesday on Israel National Radio, the Temple Institute's Temple Talk with Yitzhak Ruvain and Rabbi Chaim Richman. It's about Jews. It's about Parshat HaShavua. It's about non-Jews. It's about the world. It's about our relationship to the Divine Presence. It's about the Holy Temple. It's about the rectification of all humanity. 3 p.m. Israel time. 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Temple time. Talk. It's everything you need to know about the Holy Temple and the Temple Mount. Every Tuesday on Israel National Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're certainly glad that you decided to stick around with Prescott and I for the second half of the show. And as I mentioned at the top of the hour, uh, I, I kind of thought this was a pretty interesting show, one that uh, uh, people would really like to hear about, uh, the topic of whether to convert or not to convert. Prescott and I are just going to go ahead and, and continue on. And one of the things that you know I would like to, to you know, put right out there is that there are many reasons that I get. I don't know about you, Prescott, but when I'm talking to people who are wondering if they should convert or what have you, one of my first questions to them is, why do you think you should convert or why do you want to convert? And invariably, the reasons that I'm given are not reasons to convert to Judaism. You know, for example, I've, I've had a number of people say that you know, I'm going to convert to Judaism because it's established, it's, it's, uh, it's got communities that, that I can live in where there's other people, whereas Noahides, we really don't have that. As soon as you convert, you instantaneously have a community yeah. that you can either move to or that you are living in, but something where there's more than just you. Mm. And in many cases, for Noahides, there is just you, and it's it's not a, an easy thing. And you know, we, you and I know that Prescott. Yeah. I mean, you probably more than I because I'm in an area where there are other Noahides. But that's one of the things that Noahide Nations is really trying to do. Yeah, is to create community. I mean, if we can't do it, you know, live and in person, we can certainly do it online. Yeah. And that's one of the things that you and I have really uh, strived for over the past year or so to uh, really begin to make that happen, especially with some of the recent changes that we've made. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the reality is, I mean, it's not it's not a bad thing to want community, but if it's if that's a reason and, and I actually don't even know, I understand when I've heard people suggest that. But I, I think that it really comes down to something more basic than that, and that is just the, the, the certainty that comes from being around people that are like-minded. There is nothing that causes people to question what they're doing more than to have everybody around them saying, what you're doing is wrong, what you're doing is wrong. And one of the, that's why it's so hard to uh, leave uh, one religion and go to the Torah is because you've got people all around you telling you wrong, 
and you're wanting to be around a community of people that can affirm you in what you believe. And there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, and hey, you're absolutely. In fact, most people, that's where they're at. Exactly. They, they tend to be, uh, and this, I'm not saying this in a derogatory way, but they, they tend to be followers. Right. They, they want to do it in a way that's easier for them. And, you know, quite frankly, being a Noahide is not easy. No, it isn't. And, and, and not, because, not, because it's, um, not because of any kind of uh, difficulty in observing the Shabbat mitzvot, although it, it is something that requires effort and time and study. But it really, I think the hard, one of the hardest parts is developing socially as a Torah-conscious individual outside of living and dealing with other people. Because there's nothing that causes us to confront our egos more than grading up against somebody else who has an ego just as big as ours. <laughs> and community, community brings that out. Community puts people, uh, you know... Uh, butting heads against other people who both believe the same thing but have a different interpretation or whatever and and community uh, makes the whole thing far more real as opposed to in isolation living out somewhere out in the country without any other Noahide to talk to or let alone uh, another Jew who you can share your love of Torah with Um, right that that's that's just not there, and that's one of the and, and again, uh, you know, we the technology that is there now, in terms of the internet and in terms of ways of communicating that that wasn't even possible before. Um, that the ability to create community, while it's not as good as a real community, is there now for people to make real connection. And to tick other people off, <laughs> and <laughs> and to repair broken relationships when when that happens, and and it's very easy. It's uh, in fact, I mean, what you know, it's very easy to become a monk and go and hide away in a monastery and not live and deal with the real world, uh, and believe that you are aspiring to the you know the pinnacle of what your faith calls you to but the truth is is that the real world the torah world is a world that involves community and if you think you're being a good noahide and you're not having relationship with other noahides in some form or fashion i don't know how you can uh i don't know how you can actually test to see whether the Torah you are holding to is true because that it really comes down to how we live with other people. And, uh, well, and I would, I would say that's true, but like you say, with the, with the technology today, the, the online capabilities, we've come a long way in order to yeah. uh, help eliminate that. Now, certainly it's not like, you know, person-to-person contact. contact. I mean, you talk about a monk. I mean, even the monks have other monks. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're not in a building by themselves, where oftentimes Noahides, they're literally in a community, <laughs> and the, they're the only Noahide. Yeah, but a lot of those monks, uh, they take vows of silence. <laughs> <laughs> 
right? So they're all just very quiet then around each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like they don't get to say what they really feel, and then uh, you know. Anyway, um, I always wonder: Do you think they learn sign language before they do that, so they can communicate? <laughs> Any, anyway, uh, moving right along here, folks. Yeah, uh, I think our, our our point is: oftentimes we can come up with reasons uh, that would justify uh, our alleged desire to convert for example uh it, it's you know s- some people and i've actually had and you may have had people tell you this too that they're thinking of converting to judaism because it'll be easier to find a spouse <laughs> you know a spouse right. who is like-minded a spouse who believes in torah and, yes i mean i kid you not i mean uh i've <laughs> if- i know a number of people who have said that yeah uh, you know i can i can appreciate that but it's not a reason to convert to Judaism, mm. nor is you know the desire to live in the land of Israel, nor is it because you don't think you're going to have salvation, which we talked about mm-hmm. uh, in the early part of the show. Uh, and there's you know there are some good reasons, uh, you know for example, uh, Judaism has does have a sensible religious belief. I mean, Torah. Mm-hmm. When I when I began studying Torah, I mean studying Torah. You know, and I realized that, you know, this is really the only thing that I've ever gotten into that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. You know, you you start coming to these realizations that, gosh, you know what? This is not only true, these folks know a lot about it. Yeah. You know, and by folks, I mean the rabbis, the people like uh, Rashi and Rambam. I mean, these sages were just unbelievable. Yeah. But it's, you know, even in the complex issues, it's easy to, I should say, more easy to understand and believe because it makes sense whereas some of the others in fact most of the others simply don't make sense (laughs) well you know uh, many of these rabbis they were scientists they were doctors they it wasn't that their focus in life was just their religious faith because uh let's face it if you if you isolated yourself off and and wanted to create your own religion and you could make it as bizarre and as strange as you wanted and as long as you weren't challenged by reality you might you might be able to convince yourself that it was a pretty good system but the the rabbis say they, they were challenged by reality they were challenged by science they were challenged by the life around them that they couldn't have this this faith that was somehow divorced from from rational thinking and at the same time be a doctor and learn about how the human body works because they they couldn't make up a, a theory about how the human body works they were they were working with something that was real and you, you as i say you can't you can't have you can't have rational thinking in one part of your life and irrational thinking in the other part of your life and not eventually be forced to reconcile that irrational part of your life. And I, and I think that many, one of the problems in today's world is that, because uh, I know uh, when I was growing up, one of the concerns that, uh, that we would hear uh, our Christian pastors telling us is this concern about going off to college because so many kids would go off to college and they'd come back and they would begin disowning their faith because they were being challenged in, in college by people who were science-based and espousing various uh, you know, science ideas that they could point to and say, this is why we believe this, because of these proofs, because of this evidence, and so on. And eventually, these kids had to try to find a way of rationalizing 
their irrational beliefs against <laughs> science and and it, and it caused true. and it causes a problem and so uh so this is again you know when uh, in terms of listening to the rabbis and realizing that that this is not uh, they they didn't just sit down and you know invent all of this this is uh, this is generation after generation of wisdom from the torah being passed down and and growing and growing with each generation that's uh, that really is quite quite amazing so right and uh, and i think uh, sadly finding out this truth of of torah and and hashem we can tend to get caught up in the ecstasy of that <laughs> and by virtue of how good that makes you feel to have, to have learned the truth and be on the path to truth you want all of that. Yeah. I mean, emotionally, you want to convert so that you can have all of that. That's how good it makes you feel. Yeah. But again, that is not a reason to convert. It is definitely a reason to continue studying, though. Right, right. Well, particularly because uh, now this was something that I, that I ran into on my journey was that I actually ran into people who had converted to Judaism many years earlier, and they, they were Orthodox Jews, actually telling me that I could not and should not study Torah because I was not a Jew. And that anything that I might do in terms of any kind of observance, because uh, a friend of mine and I, we get together on, on Shabbat, and we would recite the blessing before we'd read the Torah, and we would go through all of this. And, of course, I was being confronted by these people who knew a lot more than I did, at least I thought they did. They were telling me that what I was doing is I was creating my own religion. It was a form of idolatry, what I was doing. And so basically I put all of that aside because the last thing that I wanted to be was an idol worshiper. That was the whole point of coming to the Torah was that I wanted to learn the truth. And so I was being told this by people that I that I had come to at least trust their knowledge of the Torah. And this is part of the problem. And this is in, in, in part why I was interested in, in doing this show was that there are people out there who I know have come and, and they have heard those same kinds of statements made. And it has caused them to pause about, you know, if I want to enjoy Torah, if I really want to embrace Torah, maybe it's just better for me to go ahead and convert rather than take the chance of doing something that actually might be displeasing to Hashem. Well, and I know of what you speak. I, I've have had a lot of people tell me the same thing. I've had Jewish people tell me the same thing. And I've had Noahites tell me that that's what they have been told also, and that is simply incorrect. Mm. We can study Torah. The Talmud even tells us that a Gentile who studies Torah elevates himself to a status of a Kohen Kadol or a le level of a Kohen Kadol. Well, you know what? That's a, that's a pretty good level. Yeah. But you can't get there if you don't study Torah. Right. Now, there's others, and this is also mentioned in the Talmud, that uh, uh, we would be worthy of death if we study Torah. But I'm going to choose to study the Torah because I want to know who my Creator is. I, I want to know what He's done for me. I want to know what He's done for the Jewish people. Uh, I want to know what He's done for creation. I, I want to know these things. Yep. And if we're to come to know Hashem, the only way that we can really do that is through the study of Torah. So I, it's my opinion, and it's only my opinion, that if anyone tells you as a Gentile that you're not allowed to study Torah, that is, it is, is incorrect. Yeah. Not 
everyone's opinion either. I just gave what? you a site as a couple examples of varied opinions from the Talmud. What? And, I mean, there's other things, too. I mean, Prescott, maybe you've heard of you know some of these also. I mean, if anyone tells you that as a Noahide, you are a second-class citizen in the world <laughs> yes. to come. Yes, I've heard that. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, and that's a lie. Yeah, That is a, a disgusting lie, and, and people who tell you those kinds of things, they'd be better off closing their mouth and go and, and study some Torah. You know, that's kind of like telling everyone that since lawyers and judges have a more understanding about the law and have an authority that we need to become one because it's not good enough to just be a good law-abiding citizen. Mm. That's how ridiculous, <laughs> you know, that statement is. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it just uh, imagine if, you know, everyone were to become police officers. <laughs> imagine if everyone be, was a, a, had to become a lawyer or a judge. Yeah. You know, the, this concept is just ridiculous. Yeah. And, you know, no one is required to become a Jew. Mm-hmm. But everyone is required to live righteously and morally and ethically. That is what the Torah teaches us. Yeah. And nowhere does it teach us that we must convert. No. And 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 I guess that's the thing is that uh, what what evidence can we bring from the uh, from the Tanakh? Jonah was sent to the city of Nineveh or Nineveh, I guess how I pronounce it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, somebody can write in and tell me how to properly pronounce it. And he wasn't sent to convert anyone. An entire city of non-Jews and their actions reached heaven. And Hashem sent Jonah to tell them to repent, not convert, but to repent. And and in the text itself, what does it say? Hashem speaks to Jonah and he says, you know, like, I was interested in saving all of the people and all of the animals. And you're up here, you know, sitting under this gourd, complaining because I did what I said I would do. But I don't recall that one act of conversion took place. They simply repented of their wrongdoing, which is what Hashem required. Right. And that's what we're required to do. And that's, uh, uh, we are required to do tshuva, and we are required to follow the seven uh, uh, seven laws of Noah, the Sheva Mitzvot. That is what is, well, I say the word required only from the standpoint of you don't have to do it. Hmm. I mean, you don't have to follow these. But, you know, don't expect to be close to Hashem. Uh, don't expect to have a share in, in the world to come or, or heaven, how, you know, however you want to characterize it. Just don't have those expectations because we're all required to do something. Uh, yeah. There's nothing that's free. I mean, even, you know, uh, from an appearance sake, everything in socialism and communism is free. <laughs> yeah, I know. There I go again. But as we all know, uh, behind all of this, there is a cost. There is a price. And it's the same for you know, being in the world to come. Yep. You must adhere to the ways of Hashem. And in our case, as Gentiles, it is the uh, seven uh, laws of Noah. Hmm. In fact, I, I see we're you know, kind of getting close to the, to the end of the show. And I you know, wanted to get uh, a couple more things in here. But I don't know if we're really going to have time to do it. But... Uh, one thing is is for sure is that there are a lot of folks that think about converting. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, and once again, folks, this is just my opinion. Take it with a grain of salt. But in my opinion, you really only convert for one reason. And quite frankly, one reason only. 
Uh, but again, this is my opinion. But this is when when the, the pull of Torah in Hashem is so strong. In fact, I had somebody uh, uh, once tell me this, that it was so strong that they felt like they were going to die yeah. if they did not convert to Judaism. And in fact, this particular person had told me they already felt dead. And yep. when they converted, uh, they were alive again. So I guess in, in a nutshell, it is Hashem calling you. It is Torah that is calling you to, to become part of his people. Mm-hmm. Because you're not, really not converting to a religion. You're converting to a people, yeah. a, a civilization. I mean, it's a lot different than what people might think. And, you know, because we're getting towards the end of the show, I don't want to get into, you know, too deep of a of a, of a subject there. But and maybe, you know, Prescott, we ought to uh, do another show on this uh, for next week. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I'm up for it. Well, I think I, think, uh, I am, too, because I'm afraid that to a degree we may have left some folks, you know, hanging out there, uh, who particularly those who are uh, thinking about conversion. I think the main thing is you really need to consider all the factors. Uh, Number one, you really need to explore your true reasoning for becoming a a, a Jewish person, a part of the Jewish people. And there's, you know, many other things that you need to recognize, too. I mentioned that you're not converting to a religion. You're converting to uh, a, a way of life. Yeah. I mean, when you convert, and you'll learn this before you actually do the conversion, but your life, as you know it, will change. And mm-hmm. in this particular case, it will change forever. And I'll just you know kind of cite uh, another part from Rambam's uh, Mishnah Torah, and this is in uh, Hilkot Malachim 10.3. Uh, he tells us that a Gentile who converted was circumcised and immersed in the mikvah and afterwards decided to forsake God and revert to his previous status as a resident alien is not granted permission to do so. They must remain as an Israelite in all matters or be executed. So in the nutshell, once you're a Jew, you're always a Jew. You cannot take it back. Right. It is a done deal. So when I say that your life as you know it, it will change forever, it, I, I'm very serious. And uh, I've had you know rabbis tell me who weren't out in the you know conversion business, uh, which some are, uh, but many who have uh, talked to me about this, uh, uh, they, you know, they, they tell you that, that you're better off rather than being just another Jew or rather than potentially being a poor Jew, you're, you're better off being a, an extremely righteous Gentile. Right. Yep. So, you know, I take things like that you know, quite seriously. <laughs> and and I see here, you know, we, we got uh, uh, long-winded again. We got uh, a lot here that we need to cover. So I think we ought to come back next week and, and uh, hopefully be able to wrap this up. Uh, <laughs> does that sound, like, sound good to you, Prescott? That's what I think we should do. Okay, let's go ahead and do it. And in the meantime, folks, uh, we'll see you next week. We appreciate you being with us this week. And we do hope that you visit us next week to hear the kind of the end of this show. And in the meantime, please, my friends, always look to the heavens for your help from Hashem. Because I guarantee He is always looking out for you. Shavuot Tov. Shalom.
Being alone on Shabbos isn't fun. That's why CUNShabbos.com offers free and safe Jewish hospitality, which helps match guests with host families from Israel, America, and anywhere around the world. It's like Craigslist, Janglo, or JDate, but for Shabbos meals. It's great for both travelers, singles, or just someone needing a good place for Shabbos. Don't spend Shabbos alone. Visit www.cuonshabbos.com. That's cuonshabbos, S-H-A-B-B-O-S dot com. Herbie's Bake Shop in Bethel, Israel, now offers you the opportunity to feed your favorite Israel National Radio Show hosts. Donate a pizza to the radio station or send a coffee break with hamantaschen or donuts. Just fill out the form online at www.herbiesbakeshop.com. The Arut Sheva Steph gets hungry while podcasting. Show your support. Visit herbiesbakeshop.com. That's Herbie with a Y. Bakeshop.com. They'll love you for it.